This episode may include sensitive stories, topics, or themes that may be difficult to hear. Please take care of yourself and your well-being should something arise for you. Welcome to the latest episode of Punk Therapy, Psychedelic Underground Neural Kindness. I'm Dr. T, working on my PhD. And I'm the Truth Fairy, coming to you from the underground. Together, we hope to inspire integrity, courage, kindness, creativity, and rigor in the fast-growing industry of psychedelic healing. Welcome to the next installment of Punk Therapy. Uh, I'm quite excited today because we're talking about training and development, and that is the primary focus of my PhD. Um, Before we start, I just wanted to please give you guys a reminder that if you like our show, please give us a rating on Apple or Google. Let us know what you think about our episodes. Uh, Handing over to the Truth Fairy to introduce today's topic in a little bit more depth. You betcha. Thank you, Dr. T. It's great to see you as always. And yeah, I've named this episode Self-Development and Personal Growth in the Training Arena. Why I'm emphasizing that right now is that, I've said this in other episodes, is that there are a lot of trainings for psychedelic therapy now. A lot of people are interested um, in training in this field. I, I know that it comes from a really good place, a really deep-hearted place that people want to learn how to help their clients with psychedelic medicine, medicine-assisted therapy. And one of the things that I'm a stickler about in my program, which is somatic relational trauma-informed practices for psychedelic-assisted therapy, is that I look for participants, candidates that have done a lot of medicine work themselves. So they're not coming in green because I think what's happening is that some people are going into training programs and they've never done psychedelic medicine and then they want to facilitate it for other people. So I place a very high emphasis on people who have participated in ayahuasca ceremonies or have worked with MDMA or have had uh, medicine-assisted therapy themselves. You know, some of the people in my second cohort have had three three three-day sessions already. So um, there's something about really getting to know the medicine. And the other thing is, is really to keep up with our own personal development and growth in this field. I know that personally, I come from a background of developmental trauma and every so often I get hijacked and it still happens. I'm 56 years old and I get blindsided every so often. And I go, ooh, I'm having one of those months (laughs) where my trauma's coming up and I I better get my, I, you know, I do uh, a lot of therapy myself, but I better get myself to some serious work here because I'm working with other people and that can uh, interfere. So I've got three, I've got a surprise for you, Dr. T, by the way. Do you want to know what it yeah. is? I've got well. three beloved humans here with me today. They are from my very first cohort. And no yeah. We have three and guests I, today. We have three guests, eh? 
How's that for blindsiding no you? It's just like trauma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> positive trauma. I'm excited. Positive trauma. This is positive trauma. So <laughs> we've got here today, I'd like to, but uh, before I introduce them, I wanted to just, um, you know, this is not a plug for my training, but I do want to say that uh, I offer a hybrid training. It's multidisciplinary, meaning, you know, trauma-informed theory uh, we've got uh, attachment theory, polyvagal theory, um, early childhood development. And we also look, we do a lot of experiential work, dialogical work, practical work. There's a practicum, there's mentorship, there's internship. Uh, I offer also equine therapy at one point. There's a what I call a kind night medicine sit where we sit together as a group with ketamine. Then we work with MDMA, we work with 5-MeO-DMT, we have Feldenkrais practice, we have authentic movement practice, and uh, what else do we do? And then we do medicine-assisted therapy with each other, but not until the second module, and then into the third module. So the first module, we don't do work with each other with medicine. We just learn some theory, do experiential work together, and then we just start slowly to get to know each other. And that's what's so important is the knowing of the other and knowing of ourselves. And it's a a real reverent, uh, sacred way that we get to learn each other. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Sticky Tack, Mon Petit Choux, and Mama Bear, three humans that are very dear to my heart, and they were in my first training. So if you'd like to just say hi, your voice is out there. Hello. Hi, Sticky Tack. Hi, Mama Bear. (laughs) Hi, Petitio. Very nice to meet you all. Thank you for coming along today. Mm -hmm. What a a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I would love to launch into here and... um, I'm going to ask these graduates uh, some questions to begin with, and then Dr. T is going to take over. But I think what I'd really like to ask each and every one of you, and I'll re-ask the question, so don't worry about remembering it. You know, it's always different to talk talk on air. Sticky tack if you'd be up for going first. And whatever you feel comfortable with sharing, I would really love to know, you know who you were when you came into this training this somatic relational trauma-informed practices for psychedelic-assisted therapy. Who were you when you came into it? And two years on, a little bit more maybe, and who are you now? So kind of bookend that. Who were you when you came into the training and who are you now as a result of having gone through the training? So who I was coming into the training, um, well, I was your client for one. And I came to you as a client because I had um, this profound sense of aloneness and um, that, you know, the feeling of being in a room full of people, uh, even friends, and feeling isolated and alone and uh, like I didn't belong, uh, just a sense of not belonging. And... um, at that time, I was doing, you know, I was an artist, I was a single parent, I was an entrepreneur. I didn't have a history with using psychedelic medicines. I had a history of addiction and 
having lots of fun numbing with drugs and alcohol. But I was so intrigued when you shared that you were going to be doing this course. It just called to me because the work that we had been doing together um, was starting to really crack open my inner world. And I thought, oh, what would it be like? What would it be like to, to go deeper or to really lift the lid and see what's in there? You know, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. And what did you discover? And what did you discover that first day when you found yourself with this group of people? Do you, can you re- re- recall or remember back to that day? Think back to that day. Oh, thank God. So in, in just sort of doing some reflection before coming on this podcast, I, I started thinking back about everything. And I recall I... I walked in and um, we did a circle together and I said, I promise, I promise I'm going to love each and one and each and every one of you. I'm going to love you. And everybody kind of just looked at me like, cool. oh, okay. All right. You know, <laughs> right. Um, who says that? I just, um, I remember I had, what that said to me was that I was just really excited to make a connection. But at the same time, I had zero boundaries. I had no way. I just did not have the tools to do that. So there I was sitting, feeling all kinds of things just started. Every every time we, we got together, something inside me was like imploding. Like there was that uh, one time when um, we had a guest come to the group and I had finally just bonded with everyone in the group and felt like I trusted everyone. We had created this amazing thing. And then we brought, you brought a guest in and I was like, I knew this person. And I had, I had these issues with women uh, that were accomplished. I had this distrust. I felt like I was, they were going to betray me. And this person came in. I was like, Oh, I do not want them here. And even your, uh, even the assistant that you had, that was your co-pilot through the whole thing. I kept staring across the circle at her going, oh, this person knows every single thing I'm thinking and feeling. And I do not like it at all. She's going to use it against me. She's going to figure out a way that to figure out that I don't belong here. Sorry, that makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, it uh, really brought up some very deep stuff for you, didn't it? Sticky tack those mm-hmm. those first yeah. that first module, and how did you work through that in the training? Oh, how did I work through it in the training? Well, we, I, I just, I just allowed myself to show up every every day. They just show up every day and look across at the in the eyes of the people that you're connecting with. I was connecting with. I was connecting with not everyone, um, and but one of the things that was really valuable was um, you did lots of little mini sessions with us just to kind of get us. Okay, this is coming up for you sit with that, think about what's going on for you, you know, and rather than projecting on the group, what's going, you know, take that back and do some homework. And I found that really helpful in just helping me get through some of the the times when I was really activated internally mm-hmm. and my body wanted to 
turn inside out <laughs> as yeah. I was sitting there. Yeah. yeah so. so you found those micro sessions very helpful as, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of worked with everyone in the group and so that was helpful for you. Yeah. When you wanted to turn inside out. Yeah. And, um, it, and now the sticky tack, thinking back, you know, how you felt and you've uh, bonded with this group now, you've been doing work together. How, who, who are you now? What have, what feels different? What's shifted in you? Um, relationships. I've got these beautiful relationships with everyone, some deeper than others, and that's absolutely okay. Uh, I don't have to feel that close to everybody. And um, yeah, er- what's shifted? Jeez. I guess it's just the the empathy I have for myself that, um, you know, that I was, what I was going through was really tough and that um, these relationships became medicine for that more so than the medicine, if I can offer that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You can certainly offer that in punk therapy, that relationship was (laughs) more medicine than the medicine. Yeah. 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 And you had mentioned uh, uh, addiction at the beginning of it. Has anything shifted for you in that realm since we did this training? Speaking of medicine. Yeah. So like I, um, I was, I was, um, you know, drinking a bottle of wine a night, you know, coming home from work, drinking a bottle of wine a night or going to this really cool bar and just drinking old fashions in a corner while I was journaling and, um, you know, just drinking, drinking, and then, um, stealing my daughter's morphine when I found out she had morphine for her surgery and, uh, just, uh, like, Morphine is just like this warm mother hug thing that I discovered and um, smoking a lot of cannabis and uh, just numbing, numbing, numbing. And now um, I still will have the occasional um, drink of alcohol, but it's like usually some like really nice herbal thing. Like it's it's a special occasion and it's among like a very trusted friend. Um, not a whole bottle. And um, I, I don't really use cannabis. Um, I didn't exercise for 15 years. I didn't even like aside from the occasional walk. Now I go to the gym. I love, oh my God, I love looking after my body so much and feeding it nourishing food. And oh, it's just like, like just setting up and just feeling in my body is has changed for And when was that turning point for you in the training? I'm curious. Uh, When did that sort of kind of settle in, this idea of taking care of yourself, addressing some of these deeper issues? When did it really kind of start to turn for you? Mm. When I started to be able to answer the question, what I wanted. What did I want? What What did I want? What did my heart desire? What did, what, what would nourish me when I started to be able to really get through that dissociative fog, which there was tons of whenever, um, you know, I'd go to look there. Yeah. And I have a story about that 
for maybe later. Mon petit chou. Ooh. Yeah. Tech. That's a hard act to follow, I gotta say. Um, well, yeah. So uh, I'll just ask you the question again. You know, reflect back. Mon petit chou. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you signed up for the training. When you came to this world, you had, I do remember you had mentioned, you know, how do I get into this work? How do I get into this? And then one day I decided to offer the training and you signed up for it and you came in on that first day. Can you recall how you might have felt that first day? Well, I know what had me sign up for the training was um, just feeling the sort of this faint calling in the background. It was something mm -hmm. that I was interested in. I had been a client of yours, Truth Fairy, and and had taken on some psychedelic work as part of my own growth and change and found it to be such an incredibly sacred incredible gift to be able to actually do that and what it did for me in my own therapeutic journey it's like nothing i'd ever experienced before because i've done talk therapy before i have a master's degree in a psychology discipline of a different different kind and was really frustrated by that just sort of granular slow the way that that goes and this just felt like um it's like a gift for the planet that's here to heal. So I wanted to be part of that because I guess I've always identified myself as a healer of some sort, but never quite knew where that might be and never felt like I could legitimize that without having to get a degree and things like that. And that still didn't feel great. So walking into the room that first day, it was like excitement, trepidation, and probably not feeling like I was worthy. And how the hell is this going to go down? And and like Sticky Tech shared, it's like, oh, I got triggered constantly. And my stuff showed up all over the place. And that, yeah. So just really acknowledging what had, what was there for me was, it took me a lot to manage myself. That that was just the story of my life. It was getting better by doing psychedelic work and doing the therapy. Yeah, so that was just a constant in my life that I didn't really even uh, fully embrace until you become aware of it. Can, can you say more about if you feel comfortable and um, it, only if you feel comfortable, but say, say more of some of the things that was the, the things that were coming up for you being in the group. Can, do you remember what that uh, an example of that? Like I'm, I'm remembering one one thing in particular like it felt like um i was very conscious of one of the other participants in the room and felt like almost like i was being tracked by this person hmm. and and they kept getting closer to me physically at one point they were even sitting in front of me and i was it's so common for me particularly at that time and place to not be able to speak up for myself it's like this is weird. Am I the only one experiencing this shit? <laughs> um, and not saying a damn thing about it. Um, and making myself wrong in it. Yeah. And yeah. So how did you get through that? How did you work through that? Hmm. Well, I, I did, 
I'd basically kind of suffered through it at the time mm-hmm. and felt really odd about it. Um, I did, I think I did speak to you about it and got some great perspective about how in these times and places, those are really incredible opportunities to actually get to speak to those experiences. Mm-hmm. And then just doing some of my own sort of processing about it. It's like, like clearly I was triggered by this person too. And somehow we had some kind of it like linked triggers between us. And that was, we were able to evolve, get past that and see what was underneath that. And if it were to happen again, mm-hmm. I don't think it would go mm-hmm. down the way it did. Because uh-huh. I don't feel. What's different about you now? Well, I just feel like I have more compassion for that person or people in general and myself, uh-huh. that there's reasons for uh-huh. this, that not, none of it's wrong. And to uh, be able to, uh-huh. yeah, like I think I would be coming from a really different place. It wouldn't be this sort of punitive thing. It would be more of a compassionate, this is what's mm-hmm. happening for me, having a conversation. Um, and I think that's actually one of the biggest gifts of the training is just to have a more expansive view of and compassion for myself and others that we can all show up as ourselves at any time in our own timing and that um, none of it's wrong and it's been made that way in our lives that we have to be a certain way rather than just allowing those parts of ourselves to show up. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you broke through some constructs of right and wrong and and old sort of patriarchal and colonizing colonial ways of punishment and develop more embodied empathy and compassion for yourself and for other people. Mm-hmm. Well, and also the cost of being a people pleaser. And ah, what is get, the cost? Oh, totally getting lost. In, like I would, um, I'd make myself so small. And the other person so big and lose uh-huh. myself in the process and not feel the right to speak uh-huh. for what I need, even if it's in a respectful way. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's a giant cost. And, and when did you turn the corner on that, Mon Petit Chou? Huh. Holy shit, that's a big question. Because it's yeah. still a work in process, too. Mm-hmm. 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 How do you catch it now? How do you know when it's happening? It's like I can almost feel my star- self start to fragment. Mm-hmm. It's like when you start mm-hmm. to feel like you're losing pieces of yourself. And for me, authenticity mm-hmm. has always been a big thing. Hence why mm-hmm. I think these things could be such big triggers is I want to say something, but it feels so awful to say the thing. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it, it, I turn the knife inward. Mm-hmm. So it's when that toxicity shows up it's um there's less tolerance for not saying what needs to be said and i feel like i can do it in a much more regulated loving way uh-huh uh-huh Where so your capacity turn... to stay regulated mm-hmm. exactly and my capacity to be with all kinds of things has expanded mm-hmm. immensely through this journey mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. And what do you attribute that to? Is it the, is it, was it the group work? Was it the somatic work? Was it the psychedelic work? Was it a combination of it? What, what's your, what's your sense of that? It's really hard to unknit them all. 
yeah, it's very hard to unknit them all. Like part of it is it's, um, there's something really empowering about the psychoeducational piece Hmm. that there's a place where we can all look and come from and a way in which we can actively support and with through knowledge with each other and ourselves. And there's, even the psychedelic journeys I've had in the training have been incredibly profound and continue to be so. And um, it's fascinating because even like sticky tack mama bear and myself have, have started to do some practice together. And that work has been profoundly um, huge for me. And even in our out, our interactions with each other outside of that work, it's like very supported, very loving. Um, being the family that you pick, mm. that village in the world where we're watching out for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we got Mama Bear. <laughs> there you go. Hi. I'm going to pose you the same question. Who were you when you came into this training? Who were you on that first day? What do you recall? And then we'll steer you over to who you are now, but go back, go back a couple of years. Yeah. So um, like my other sisters here, I was also um, one of your clients um, and had been lovingly nagging you for quite some time to teach me, teach me, please, please, please. Um, I knew from the first session that I had with you that there was something very, very different um, about the way that you worked. Um, I had adventured in many different modalities and never um, had my body and my spirit responded in the way that it did in that very first session with you. So I was hooked right from, (laughs) right from the get go. Um, but when I came to training on the very first day, I was super exuberant. I was so excited. Um, I felt really confident. And what I quickly learned is that, that, that (laughs) I wasn't actually that confident. Um, I was in fact exuberant, but I wasn't that confident. Um, as the others have shared, you know, stuff very quickly started to come up for me and I got really aware of, um, that I had a lot of relational gaps, a lot of them. Um, and that I actually had quite a disorganized attachment. Um, and that I was actually so numb that I thought I was okay. So, that was a a surprise, a bit of a surprise, (laughs) um, but a welcomed one. Um, the environment was, was extremely supportive. And, uh, the, I, I also discovered that, you know, I really, um, wasn't that good in groups. I, I, you know, I had never had a problem, you know, socializing or, or anything like that. But when it came right down to, giving a, sharing a, who I really am and what is really inside of me, it was incredibly difficult and, and, and surprising actually. It took me by surprise a little bit. Um, so I, I just 
continued to show up and take the dives and trust the process and, and the people and, um, and you, and I, I was able to unpack a lot of, a lot of stuff and, and learn about, uh, learn about my gaps, you know, like words, words eluded me for the longest time, the longest time, um, you know, that really came forward in me over these last couple of years is my ability to articulate and express and, and, uh, you know, as I got in touch with what was going on in my inner landscape, it became more and more available to me. And yeah, it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. I was quite dysregulated, um, in hindsight, I had a really hard time regulating, um, as things would come because I had stuffed so much for so long down and just numbed it out. Um, so as it would come, it, it, it was difficult in the beginning to regulate and, and recognize a secure attachment and, and, um, yeah, so th- there was a lot, there was a lot for me early on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if I could ask you and, um, uh, and given that we are on punk therapy, uh, you had had experience with psychedelics before the training. Is that right? Mama bear? Indeed. Yeah. yeah quite a bit of it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had had quite a bit of psychedelic experience before. And did your experience in working with psychedelics change at all going through this training? And if it did, how, I'm just curious. Um, it did. Uh, it changed a lot. Um, I learned to, I, I, and I, I think I want to say that how it changed was I learned to actually be in my body and, mm-hmm. and embody the experience um, that I was having rather than letting the medicine take me. Mm-hmm. I I could sort of get in the driver's seat and really I had some tools to you know be able to 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 tap into what was actually hap- what was my body saying mm-hmm. and um to be able to regulate that in a way that I could actually capture it uh-huh. as as that went on um my earlier psychedelic experiences lacked in um you know container mm-hmm. and um, integration and, um, particularly container in, in group like ayahuasca's and, and not that I didn't have profound experiences there. They were just very different. Um, so it wasn't until I came into this sort of, into your, your style of working and, and containers and, and pre, you know, not just like diving into the thing, you know, and, and really learning to embody what was happening for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. Very much but. so. So it was really about how to embody your journey as it's happening is what it sounds like to me. That's quite different for you. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And, and, and just having somebody there, um, integrating in, in the process mm-hmm. Yeah, Repa- and, and just integrating repairing, as, repairing as, uh, and as, as you go, please, those little repairs are so valuable. They seem in, maybe mm-hmm. even insignificant at the time, but but boy, they they show up uh, in all kinds of ways later. Yeah, yeah. And 
um, who are you, who, who are you now coming, you know, two mm-hmm. years in, you know, um, you've graduated from, from it. You've got these relationships with the cohort. Uh, I mean, you're, you're all on my, my, my team here in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, medicine assisted therapy, but, uh, and you've been working with me for a time here as well. Who, who are you now? What feels different about you? Besides, you know, being able to embody your journeys and and articulate in a different way. Well, I feel much more embodied in general, which helps me relate in a in a much deeper way to people. To to be able to feel what's happening in my body when I'm in relationship with with other people, and it invites a different openness and a different sort of connectivity than I've had before. Um, so that's definitely different. Um, I, I certainly am more on, more towards the secure attachment spectrum than I was in the beginning. Um, I've unpacked a lot of, I've had a lot of, of, uh, physical pain, which is part of what brought me, um, I, I'm curious, was always curious about the connection between physical pain and unprocessed emotion or trauma. Um, so I've been able to unpack a lot of my physical, actual physical pain by processing the unprocessed in me, you know, over the years and, and just being able to actually acknowledge what, not only for myself, but to another, what is actually happening on the inside of me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you you so much, Mama Bear. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I'll, let me tell you, I've got a way more humility now than I ever have. That's that's a big deal. Um, you know, I've I've taught for decades, um, many different workshops, a lot of different kinds of workshops, and um, you know, I think that I got so excited about teaching this work and creating the curriculum the way I wanted to see it taught that I kind of went in there. Um, quite confident. And now, uh, two cohorts in and a third one starting and a waiting list for the fourth cohort, there's something that makes uh, a lot of sense to me that didn't make sense to me before. And (laughs) I confess, um, I was speaking to um, an incredible choreographer. Her name is Crystal Pite. Uh, I knew her when she was a young dancer from Victoria and she danced at the uh, the Brit- Ballet British Columbia. She was in. She wor- worked in Germany, and now she's one of the most extraordinary choreographers on the planet. She's unbelievable. Um, if you ever get to see one of her shows, please do. Uh, Betrofenheit. I'm just putting this out there. Long answer, but uh, Betrofenheit is an extraordinary piece that she created about PTSD. But uh, I remember meeting Crystal. Uh, in Calgary, she was here uh, with her small company performing. Now she choreographs all over the world. And, you know, I, I, I said to her, gosh, you know, I, you know, what's it like this, you know, this development of your work? Now she's in demand everywhere. And she said, you know, every single time I do a, a show, I get more nervous. And I thought, I, I found that really strange at the time. I said, how can you get more nervous? I mean, she gets better at what she does and her work's genius and it's more in demand. 
And I couldn't connect it at the time. And now each time I go into a new cohort or training or teaching or facilitating medicine work, I feel, you know, I've got a lot of experience behind me, but I feel more nervous every time. And I think that really indicates to me the preciousness that you can't just repeat what you're doing. You you really have to meet each new cohort, each new person, each new situation. This isn't, and then when you add medicine into it, it's a whole other level. And there's a lot of training out there right now. So <laughs> to be really honest, I feel more humbled and more nervous every single time I teach it. So I, um, and then the other part of that is just really understanding that if you invite a bunch of people into a room, I have a real responsibility to notice my safety ethic, which is Darshan Arvayas's work. And the safety ethic is really that protective, contracted, um, the part of us that feels like we have to protect ourselves, right? And to really know the safety ethic in me, because if I go into a safety ethic, then one of my um, participants are going to act out or they're going to aggress or they're going to withdraw. So I have a massive responsibility to really notice how that shows up in my own system and keep tending to my developmental trauma if I'm going to teach people and continue to teach people. So I think I feel (laughs) so much more humbled in in the responsibility to shepherd uh, participants into learning about themselves. And I actually, this is a real positive here that I feel really great about um, introducing people to each other and helping them forge deep connections. And I kind of feel like a mother that sees their children leave and then I don't get, I don't get to play anymore, but you know, it's, um, it's a really beautiful feeling of, uh, raising children that really dig each other and then they go out and they help other people. So, um, I maybe hope that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's different for me, too, is that, um, you know, I offer what I offer. You know, this is this is a particular take on medicine-assisted therapy and how to teach it. There's many different ways out there. And I, um, I'm just really interested in creating a community that really supports each other and uh, being in that um, social engagement and that communal imagination. And... Uh, it's really beautiful for me to see people build, you know, long-term relationships with each other. And that's a great basis for doing medicine work as far as I'm concerned. And modeling that. So that's, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. And there, there really are a lot of courses out there. And I bet a lot of our listeners right now are people quite interested in becoming psychedelic guides themselves one day. And it's a really hot topic. And there's, thousands of online courses out there, psychedelic this, psychedelic that, trauma-informed this, that, etc. And um, how do we wade through those and make a good decision around what the right course is for us to learn how to be um, quality psychedelic practitioners? And something I thought about, you know, as I was listening to, to you all talk was that, you know, what you're offering is almost like a like um, a yoga practitioner course, you know, something I heard time from all three of you was that part of the reason you signed up for this course was for your own self-development, for your own healing. And that's what I hear a lot of people that do um, yoga practitioner courses for. It's, it's not really to be a practitioner 
at first, it may actually just be to deepen their own practice. And it seems like that's part of the reason that you three signed up with this was to deepen your own practice. And whether you ended up being a practitioner out of that was, was not a necessary part of that decision. And, um, yeah, sort of, it, it represents, I guess, a different model of how do we train psychedelic guides, um, through a much more practical orientation, I guess. And so a question that I had for you was about, you know, we, we the title of this show is, um, training in the psychedelic arena. And, and, um, we laughed earlier about, uh, the image that I conjured up of, of the Coliseum and <laughs> the fighting arena and, and, um, and how in some ways it can be a bit like that. Like it's, it can be hardcore getting down in the trenches with people working with deep stuff on, on psychedelic medicines. And I guess I want to ask, you know, what, what does it take to be a psychedelic guide? And part of that question is like, what, when you were doing this training with the truth fairy, what do you think were the most important elements of it with respect to becoming a psychedelic guide? You know, um, yeah. What, what were the most important parts if somebody say was listening to us and wondering, okay, which psychedelic course should I sign up for? I think they might help find this really helpful to know from people who've been through a course, their perspective on which parts were the most valuable and helpful for them in their learning journey. I'd love to speak to that. Um, and why that That's might be. I, th- I think during the training, I think it was, I think it was mama bear that spoke to it so beautifully. It's that there's no PhD for intuition. Mm. In that there's something really to be said to be coming to this with a, like your own humanity, your own heart, and your own lived experience. And that can't be, that doesn't show up in a lot of courses. Like for you to be that human and that holding that sacred container with another human. The way that this particular training was taught was so much experiential, right? Like all the way through the, the, the theory, the, the practices, the medicine and and so you can onboard that into your into I can onboard that into my lived experience of like it 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 it's not reading from a book it like it lives in me you know it it lives in me and it's, it's so so different from any other training that I've taken in that way yeah mm-hmm Century, because it's almost like how do you how are you with another when you make yourself the other, when in fact we're making ourselves joined mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me it's been um, learning a, a balance of boundaries and um, respect and. Um, just I really I really experience um, these ceremonies as a very sacred thing and um, I just uh, not having any expectations ever not ever wanting anything from it but what it's able to give not having a destination in mind really there's there is intention setting and there is all that training and knowledge, and then forget it all and allow your your with the wisdom of your body and the medicine 
to show up for you and and meet it with curiosity and um in a safe environment and and that's that's the wonder of it i'm hearing sort of i guess a theme from the three of you that um one of the and i hope i'm right in saying this that one of the most important things from your training is to be taught how to make contact with your own sort of inner healing intelligence and intuitive wisdom that lives within you and in your body by choosing a a trainer who has done that themselves and has their own contact Mm -hmm. with that so that they Mm can mentor you and apprentice you into that uh, relationship. And and I'll just say, yeah, I may have walked in really um, nervous the first time, but I had full faith that I was in the right place Mm -hmm. in the right hands. Mm. I wonder if we have a little time. I love your questions, Dr. T. Um, I wonder if we have a short little bit of time just to talk about an experience that the three of you had. I, you're um, sort of completing an internship, and what I mean by it's not it's not a it's not a formal internship. <laughs> Nothing I do is formal. It's informal. <laughs> it's punk therapy, but. Um, uh, you've been going off to do practice sessions with each other where one person is the lead, one person is the assistant, and one person is the client. And um, I had made a recommendation one weekend because you guys were going to kind of fit that, sw- sandwich that into one weekend switcheroo. And I said, hey, that's too much all at once. And I said, why don't you guys, the way I am, you know me, I said, why don't you guys uh, try taking the medicine together at the same time <laughs> and uh, take turns being the lead, right? And they kind of trend transition from lead to assistant to um, client. And, um, you know, because we're not in a clinic situation, we have that ability to um, experiment and to uh, get creative. And and there's a lot of creativity going out on out there, people sitting with each other. I'm wondering uh, if uh, any of you would be willing to share a significant experience that you had, uh, your own experience, not the others, but your own experience in that format of sitting with each other and taking turns, facilitating for each other while under medicine. Anyone have a recollection? Okay. So this medicine, the work I've done has literally taken me back to the womb and would you like to been... speak about which medicine you did just for our, our listeners oh, so we know okay. what combination you guys were doing if you're okay with that yes so for breakfast um <laughs> yeah so the in the morning it was a very long medicine day but it literally was like that right breakfast lunch and dinner breakfast was um for mmc oh for aco for, dmt is that for the, aco yes, dmt yes. i yes, always they forget all, get all these like, Give me an acronym and I'll screw it up. (laughs) Uh, Yes, insufflated. And then um, MDMA later on. And then at the end, um, uh, 5ACO. Well, that's the 5-MEO DMT. MEO, 5-MEO. See, I knew it's good. I should have just let It's like Scrabble. Whoops. I should have just let Mama Bear tell that one. Okay, so that's how it went. So um, during our journey together, during the MDMA part of our journey, Mama Bear and Mon Petit Chou created, um, I had, 
I had an issue with never always wanting things I couldn't have. It's like a recurring theme for me that I've, I've always wanted married men, spent eight years trying to get a guy to leave his wife. And, um, you know, so I've always wanted things I couldn't have. Very frustrating for me. And I had this character show up from the TV series Letter Kenny. She's the slut character who goes after, she's always like trying to like grab the guy and take him into the barn, you know, somebody else's guy. And I, I stated that I actually had empathy for her. I thought I liked her and I really related to her. And um, it was just, I, I couldn't figure out why, but but both Petitu and Mama Bear just sat up and we were like, what? And so like, they just sort of took over and we arrived at the fact that it was because I can never have, I always want something I can't have. And so Petitu says to me, we're going to create a confectionery for you, a beautiful confectionery that you could walk into and have whatever you want, whatever you want. And I could, oh my God, I could, I could picture this beautiful confectionery shell counter but I just looked over and there was no man taking my order, nothing. It was just a fog. And I was, I couldn't do it. I couldn't think of what I wanted. And then we moved on to um, the five MEO part of our journey. And um, what showed up for me was so incredible was that it was a, I felt my infant self yearning for breast milk. That's what I wanted. And when I've, I've since met my birth mom, I'm adopted, and I since met my birth mom, and I told her this story, and she said, oh, yeah, I so, she said, I so wanted to breastfeed you when I was holding you before I had to give you up, and they wouldn't allow it. They just don't like, and I could friggin smell that breast milk like oh so it's not it's not going where you think it's going <laughs> but like I just had um uh petite shoes yoga cushion there and I literally just like <laughs> pressed my lips against that thing and I gave myself the sensation of of nursing a breast and as funny as it is it was like I gotta tell you the most beautiful thing. Like I really, a, a repair really happened for my infant self yeah. that time. So that's my story. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was a pretty cool experience. And, um, and uh, these two beautiful women brought me there. Wow. To the woman back. Yep. To the so woman thank back. You. Thank you for I'm that. I'm gonna make a t-shirt. I've been to the back. woman back. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <sighs> welcome. I just feel to take a pause for a moment, just hearing your experience and uh just the depth that we can go in trusting relationships you know it's such a it, it, it's so um raw and and uh lays bare those really vulnerable early places and it's so beautiful that you know it was through this 
relationship that you have developed with each other over time that you were able to go to that place. Yeah, it took a lot of trust. Yeah. And Mumpitishu, you had something you wanted to say about that weekend. Well, it was it was such an incredibly powerful experience. Like I, I must admit, like I was a little bit apprehensive going in with us all under medicine, thinking, oh, are we going to be able to look after each other and all that? And what emerged was this just incredibly organic, beautiful experience that just flowed from person to person. Whenever someone had a need, the two were with her and it flowed like that throughout the day. And I know for myself at one point, it was like, it was at the very beginning and um, in that sort of more insular medicine where I really was sort of taking time for myself, which is actually kind of a hard thing for me to do because it's always like, oh, somebody else is doing something over there. I need to make myself useful and be with them. And to really just be going, no, this is where I belong in myself doing my own thing. And it's so fascinating after, because after in reflection, both Sticky Tack and Mama Bear knew that's exactly what I was doing at the time and knew that's mm-hmm. what I was up to and were, were supporting mm-hmm. me in that. And for me, the struggle has been almost finding, sorry, I'm going to have to cry. Yeah. It's finding space in my own body for myself. I've suffered from permeable mm-hmm. boundaries all my life where somebody dysregulated will come yeah. into my body and and what sort of emerged over that time and over our work together was um, at the end of the day I could support mm-hmm. Mama Bear and I was still fully conscious in my own body going I'm still here I can feel myself this is what's mm-hmm. going on for me she's there I can be with her in that and that in itself is just an amazing uh-huh. experience because I can literally feel the landscape open yeah. up in my own body and yeah. that belongs to me and it could be yeah. a place of peace. Wow. So it sounds like you were really able to yeah. both differentiate and link, differentiate your body from someone else's body and then link yourself back <laughs> to yourself Mm-hmm. And not having their suffering or their process be at the cost of mine. Yeah. That I can be in both at the same time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Embodied empathy. And just to trust that we could, we were there for each other. Yeah. We were there so amazingly, so intuitively. It was just this oh, wow. incredible dance that no yeah. words were required. It just occurred. and mama bear do you have anything you want to add about your experience something you experienced that weekend ma patishu had said to me at one point look at you viking warrior princess all warm and fuck you (laughs) and uh (laughs) i started to laugh and uh i I started to really laugh hysterically and ma patishu said to me you know show me your fuck you show that to me and I, I, I couldn't access it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it went from laughter to like total despair of mm-hmm. like, wow, this is, this is actually not available mm-hmm. in, in me, for me, in me, for me. 
that's available in me for others. But it was sort of a real slap in the face of like, whoa, this, this actually isn't authentically available for you. And so opened up this piece for me about my own boundaries and, and, and how, you know, um, how, how flaccid they were. So yeah, it, uh, and of course has unfolded more and more since then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about that protection, Mm -hmm. that protection wasn't available to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So pretty, pretty important discovery. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dr. T, do you have any other questions for these extraordinary women? I do, but I think uh, I'm feeling really complete with everything that you've just shared yeah. and, and really honoured um, to have heard your stories in such intimate depth. So, yeah, really from the bottom of my heart, thank you for for sharing your stories with us today. Thank you. Thanks so thank much. Thank you so much for coming on Punk Therapy and continue to do the beautiful work that you do with yourself. And um, if you, again, I'm going to say what Dr. T said, if you uh, like our show Punk Therapy, please uh, consider giving us a rating. Um, Five stars. Yeah, ratings kind of matter. Five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. And um, yeah, may we all keep doing our work with dignity, grace, transparency, honesty, and humility. That concludes this episode. We hope you found it meaningful and integrative. Remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Spotify and kindly share the link with your friends and colleagues. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at info at punktherapy.com. And remember to punk your inner wisdom.